a sip instead of yours. If you're looking for a way to get more positive things going into your life, I'd encourage you to check out our friends at Christian Living Magazine. You can find out everything you need at ChristianLivingMag.com. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. How is everybody doing this morning? Celebrate today. It's a nice celebration day. It's my daughter's birthday. I hesitate to say how old she is because, I don't know, that might be awkward at some point to just announce to the world how old my daughter actually is. But it is it is her birthday today. So happy birthday, Gabby. My brother-in-law, Jackie, it is his and his wife's anniversary today. So happy anniversary. Wow. Quite the celebration day. Two days ago was sunny, my wife's birthday. It's been a, a celebration week. So lots of stuff going on. We're here doing sip and study. Last week, we just, we had some stuff going on here at the house and with the family that we simply just could not do this. It was just too much. So apologize for that. But thank you guys for sticking with us and, and allowing us to take a week off so that we can uh, regroup and keep things moving forward the way it needs to. So thank you guys. Well, hey, we we are on the 13th lesson here on the book of Hebrews or the letter to the, the Hebrews. Lesson 13, we're, we're finishing up chapter 10. It's chapter 10, 19 to 39. Calling this encouraging one another. It's kind of ironic that that's what we're calling this. There is a section of that in there, and he does come back. The author does come back and and ends with some encouragement, which is very good. But I, I kind of chose that because the section that is most used in this, this part of Hebrews is so often misused that I, 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 we're going to touch on that. And, and it's just kind of, it has to do with encouraging people. And sometimes how we think we're trying to encourage and we're we're not. So anyway, it's it's going to be a good lesson. So hope you guys are ready for it. It is kind of a deep section in Hebrews. It's Hebrews. It's been deep. It's going to continue to be deep. It's it's just a really deep book. So, but let's let's dig into this. Let's look at Hebrews ten nineteen to thirty nine in the English Standard Version. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure, washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment, and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. 
Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls. Like I said, it is a deep section. There's a lot going on in this, but it breaks up into three basic sections. We see in 19 to 25, hold fast our hope. 26 to 31, renewed warning. And 32 to 39, memory and encouragement. Let's start this. 19 to 21. Therefore, brothers, first of all, therefore, let's let's just pause here really fast. Always want to go back and see what is it there for, right? It's there for, so why why is it there for? Therefore, let's just look really fast, 15 to 18, just go back a few verses. And this is pulling from Jeremiah 31. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. We get here, therefore, brothers, don't get hung up on that. It means brethren, it's brothers, sisters in certain translations. It's not a gendered thing per se. It was just talking to the people in general. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, and that continues on, but we're going to pause right there. So since our sins are forgiven, we have confidence. Therefore, since our sins are forgiven, we have confidence to do what? To move forward and to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now, these holy places, these are the actual true holy places. This isn't the man-made versions, which think about that for a second here. The, the man-made versions, the, the images, the replicas that we're supposed to imitate what was seen, right? And what is actually the holy places couldn't be entered except by a high priest. And yet we, being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, can not only enter into the holy place, we can enter into the real holy place, not the replica, 
but the actual true one. The true heavenly holy places, not the earthly copies. Being washed by the blood of Jesus, we can enter that with confidence because he did this by his sacrifice, by the blood of Jesus. And this is a new and living way. It's new and living. It's new because, well, it's it's the new covenant, not the old covenant, right? So it is actually new. That, actually, that just makes sense, right? After the fall, man was separated from God and we needed a way back to God. We needed a way to get back to him. Jesus gave a new way by sacrificing himself on the cross after being raised from the dead. He is eternal. He is our eternal high priest. He is living. That's why the author earlier on went through such painstaking details with the order of Melchizedek. He is an eternal high priest. He is a forever high priest. He is a living high priest. He died to make way, but he rose from the grave living so that he is an eternal living high priest. And he brings us to God directly and gives us access to the true heavenly things and the true heavenly places completely. And now now the curtain, we've talked about this before. If you go back through, I'm not even sure exactly which one it was, but we've talked about it before. There was a curtain. It's also known as a veil. It's, It's an actual divide in the temple that would separate the inner sanctuary from the outer sanctuary. There was another one that separated from the inner sanctuary into the Holy of Holies. And that veil has to be torn. It's what separated it, right? That's what held the presence, didn't hold the presence of God back, but it held back the issues where man would die if they saw God's face, right? Only the 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 actual high priest could get in there. Well, that veil was torn and it was torn while Jesus's flesh was torn. Okay, saying that that, that was the symbolic tearing of it because his flesh that curtain is an even more accurate, closer to the true separation, right? The closer to God we could get. And so that veil was torn by getting in through Jesus's flesh. I know it sounds kind of gross. It's not a great image, but it, it, it just, it's the imagery that he's giving. He's, he's trying to put this in a way that, that is showing, because remember, what is the whole purpose of Hebrews? Hebrews is being written because there's a group of people who followed Jesus. They went from Judaism to, to Christianity, right? They naturally followed Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah, and they followed suit, and they're starting to fall backwards, and they're trying to go back to Judaism. And he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. So he's speaking language that they'll understand, saying, well, that, that veil was torn. And it, is a, a, it was torn through a better veil. It wasn't just a cloth veil. This is a, a human flesh veil. It was the flesh of God coming in human form that killed him, you know, got killed, who sacrificed himself on our behalf to cover us so that we would no longer have to pay the penalty of sin. Okay. So we're thinking back to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus opened. This opened here is actually... In Greek, it means inaugurated or to consecrate. It's not just an opening, but it is a, a starting point. It's like this is a brand new opening. Like this, is a, this wasn't there before, right? This wasn't there before. And so by breaking the veil that was Jesus's flesh, it opened a brand new way to God. God opened a new way. So instead of going to the man-made copies and man-made replicas, we're now going directly to God through this new way, thanks to Jesus, the Son of God. Okay. Then he goes again, we have 
since we have a great priest over the house of God. That's just Jesus. It's Jesus. Again, he's continually pointing back to his conversation is talking again about the living and eternal high priest and, and how he was a high priest of the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so he's continuing to go through that same, same concept and bringing these notions back in. 22 to 25, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another. Let's actually pause here. Let's, let's, let's just look for a second. Let's just look at 22 yeah, 22 and 23. Draw near with a true heart and full assurance and faith. The author here is actually giving three exhortations on how to respond to the doctrinal truths that he's about to write in the coming chapters. Okay, so we're, we're not even there yet. And he's setting the stage for what is coming. Okay, he's setting the stage for what is coming. And he's giving us three exhortations on how to respond to this. In Greek, so in the original language, in the original Greek, this is in present tense, meaning meaning that these are continual and they're ongoing. This is something that is meant to actually happen and continue to happen. This isn't something that's a past tense, like this has been done. This isn't a, you just need to do this once and then, and then call it good. It's a continual. It's a continuation. It's a continuing sense, right? So we need to continue to do this. These three exhortations we see here, the first two in First one's in verse 22, faith. The second one is in 23, hope. And then in 24 and 25, we see love. Okay, so faith, hope, and love. Let us draw near with a true heart, which in in Jewish reasoning and in the, in the Jewish mindset, the heart was not only the center of humanity, but it was also the center of the spiritual realm, right? They, they took that as that is just a the center of a person, right? Your heart is is kind of what is controlling things, right? We are we are almost controlled by by just the heart. And it could be one or two things. It was somewhat depending on who was writing and what they were trying to mean. It could be used interchangeably with soul, the the soul of man and the heart of man. But that's not even really normal. That was just every now and then they would do that. But for the most part it was just just think of the heart of man. It, it's not just like the the vessel that pumps the blood through you. When they speak of the heart, they have a tendency to mean more than that. It's just, it's, it's, it's the driving force of people, right? It is, it's your motivation. It's your passion. It is what is inside of you that is moving you forward. And I don't mean the Holy Spirit, because to me, when I read this, when I read the scriptures, I think there's a, a we, we see, especially through Paul's writing, this great divide between the flesh and the spirit and how we still struggle with some of the things that the flesh wants to do. And so when I read this, that's kind of what, what the heart is. That is the heart is like the flesh of the person and what's driving there and your passions and driving forward. But it's also a combined with the spirit at this point, right? It is also combined with the spirit because it is that unified force going forward. Not sometimes it can be the division because you'll see the heart of man is evil and all it wants is bad things. That's dealing directly with only the flesh, and that is used as a contrast, contrasting the flesh from the spirit. 
But right now, when they talk about just a heart like this, when we're going to go forward with a true heart in full assurance, this sort of thing, that is a combination of both the physical part of man and the spiritual part of man. It's not the separation from this is this guy's, this is where the, the spiritual side is. And this is the earthly side, the physical side where everything is just bad per se. No, no, no. It's, it's not that it's, it's that combination of both. We're going to go with pure, clean conscience moving forward. Okay. So with our true heart, so everything you've got go forward and draw near to God with every part of your being in full assurance of faith Right. Full assurance of faith with our hearts, again, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. See, that's that blending of mind versus heart, right? Not soul versus heart, mind you, but mind sprinkled clean from our conscience. You know, sometimes when we've done something, maybe this is just me. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's you too. But I, I know from my side, I can tell you from my personal side. There's still times where you lay awake at night or I lay awake at night and I'm struggling with something that I did, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, maybe even. And my heart feels heavy. That conscience, when your conscience weighs on you, you don't feel heavy in the head and you're tipped sideways. It's a heaviness in your chest. It's a heaviness in your heart. And you just, uh, and that's what he's saying with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, it's gone. Let us draw near with a true heart, everything we have, in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. It's done. It's gone. It's as far as the East is from the West. It's gone. God keeps no account of it anymore because of Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees his son. By that, I mean Jesus. I'm not saying God is just sees everyone as male. I mean, you know, whatever. I, the world is such a weird place. I, I don't even know how to phrase things anymore and not get blocked or censored. Yeah, whatever. Just moving on with a sprinkle clean from an evil conscience with our bodies washed with pure water. Now, there's there's two different takes. I'm sure there's more, but there's two primary takes with this, the the being washed with pure water. Some take it as a literal sense and saying, oh, that's it's a reference to baptism. And it very easily could be a, a just a direct reference to, to baptism. You've been sprinkled clean by the Holy Spirit. In faith, you've been sprinkled clean. You come to Christ. You come to Jesus. You have faith in Jesus. You receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sprinkles you clean from an evil conscience. You are able to work more directly with the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit going forward purely and truly as possible. And then you also get baptized. And so you have the actual outer body washed with pure water being baptized. That's one. And that's maybe the most prominent of them is they just take it as a, as a very literal thing. Another one is that this, this actually has to do with holiness, like personal holiness and how we, how we continue to do our part working with the Holy Spirit and actually working towards bettering ourselves. We want to be sanctified when we accept Jesus and we accept God and we want to we want to change, we want to get better. And so we work with the Holy Spirit trying to fight against the fleshly desires, trying to fight against the sin and and to become more and more like Jesus. And so that's that that personal devotion. And I can't tell you necessarily it's it's A or it's B. I can just tell you those are the two main things about it. And I think they both are, they both fit well enough, honestly, 
I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable saying, take it both, because I there's still there is a a personal need for us to actually walk with Jesus. We still have to walk with Him. He walks with us. We should walk with Him. Okay, we shouldn't just have here's you see one set of footprints and the two drag marks. That's where I drug you. No, we shouldn't just be drug along by Jesus all the time, right? We should walk with him. There should be things that we're doing with him along the way. And we see evidence of that throughout scripture. We're seeing evidence of that throughout here in Hebrews. We continue to go forward. Hey, Sip and Studiers. As you may know, the family and I have been called into missions and are now officially missionaries to the church in Pakistan. Can't tell you how excited we are for this. It's a great opportunity and we are so blessed for it. But if you've known anybody who's gone into missions, you know, can't do it on our own. We need people to be partnered with us, partnered in prayer and yes, also in financial support. But there's so much more. If you feel God tugging at your heart, letting you know that he has a plan for you to make an impact in the church in Pakistan, we'd love for you to reach out to us and partner with us. You can do that and more at chogglobal.org slash dsbrown. That's chogglobal.org slash dsbrown, as in Drew and Sonny Brown. Now, back to the study. And then 24 and 25, we see faith. So let's read that. Okay, actually 23, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Okay, 23, hope. Hope without wavering. Hope without wavering. We're going to go more deeply into some of the stuff. So let's, let's just continue on here. 24, 25, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now that one gets taken out of context a lot. It really does. It gets taken out of context quite a bit. So we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Let's, Let's look at faith. We've already done that a bit with verse 22, the faith Got a couple of scriptures here I want to pull, though. Before we do, though, the, these faith, hope, and love kind of goes a little bit with Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27 says this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is kind of what he's talking about, right? You have that new heart and that new spirit that's within you. The Holy Spirit is in you and moving you forward. Romans 3.20, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin, right? We've seen this throughout earlier pieces, right? People in this region, so that this is written to, were turning back and going back to Judaism. And this is a warning. Whoa, 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 don't don't commit apostasy. Don't turn away from the faith and go back to the old ways. That that doesn't work. There's no point. And so he's saying, look, don't continue to go back. We need to go forward. We need to go forward to this. Going back to the law, the law is just there to give us knowledge of sin. 
He doesn't purify us. We knew that we needed to be waiting for the Messiah. Well, the Messiah came and the Messiah is Jesus. So continue going forward with Jesus. Okay. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Our ability to have faith, this being washed pure and having a clean conscience is done through the Holy Spirit, and we have that as evidence of our salvation. Okay, so we, we talked a lot about faith. I kind of jumped the gun on that, sorry. <laughs> it's okay, I get into it sometimes. So hope, let's look at hope now. Hope, verses 20, verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The author's kind of pulling back to an earlier section, chapter four, chapter four, verse 14 says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. It kind of repeats that here. Uh, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. How faith and hope relate and work together gets gets discussed later in chapter 11. Just to give you a touch of that, 11.1 is the very beginning. It's a really common, really well-known piece where it's quoted a lot. Now, faith is, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So most people have heard that probably a thousand times. We've probably used it several. So we, we're going to see more about that and how those relate later on. So we'll get there. The author is just keeping them in mind for the readers, right? That's that's the whole point right now is just keep this in mind. Keep in mind we need to have faith. We can approach God with full faith because of the assurance. And we have hope. We need to hold fast to our confession in hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. See, faith and hope were always big to the Israelites. Waiting for the promised Messiah having faith in a hostile land where people were just trying to get them killed and take them away, and a hope on the promise that God made, made with them, period, made with Abraham. It's that hope. This was a reminder to the readers that God has always been faithful to them. He has always been faithful. He's always been good, and he will always continue to be. Therefore, there's no need to waver. That's, that's the whole point of this. We don't need to go backwards. You don't need to backslide backwards back to the old ways because, look, God's always been faithful. And Jesus, he sent Jesus. He sent his son. And this is so much better than what it was before. Why would you think that he's not going to continue to be faithful? Keep going forward. Keep going forward. Don't go back. Go forwards. It's like, it's like the Israelites when they're leaving Egypt. When they're leaving Egypt, we should have just stayed. Yeah, it was terrible. It was miserable. It was a horrible experience. We were slaves, but at least we had food. We knew what to expect. We knew what to expect. It's that old adage of the devil we know is better than the devil we don't. Right? So, so many times we get stuck on that concept of just sheer terror. I can't move forward because I don't know what's ahead of me. 
I know what I'm dealing with now. I can handle with what I'm dealing with now. And as long as I stay in a similar situation, it's okay. But going forward, man, that's scary. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to do. And oftentimes we try to backslide. It's human nature. We backslide back into what we know. Because even though we know it's bad, maybe it depends on what it is, right? It's We at least know what it is. We know what to expect. Whereas going forward, it might bring really, really good things. But man, it can be scary because we just don't know. And we don't know it. 24 and 25 talks about love. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. These are actions. You guys notice that? That's that's actions. Actions. Now, people often use 24 and 25, usually 25, but they oftentimes will combine them to kind of like guilt trip people. See, you should be going to church. You should go to the church bazaar. You should go to this church activity and that church activity and this thing and that thing and this and that. You got to, you got to, you got to continue to, to get together, right? Don't, don't be like some of those who neglect getting together. By the way, I, I just want to point out, that's not what's being said here. It's not what's being said here. We're, we're going to get to that, but that's not what's being said here. And we need to be very careful to not take things out of context, which is really easy to do with this because it almost feels like it's just kind of slapped in there. Okay. It doesn't necessarily flow completely with everything that's there. It almost feels like it's just kind of put in there. But let's, let's read this in context with what's going on, which is why reading in context is so important and, and figure out what's actually going on and what's actually being said. So we don't need to guilt people into this. Let us consider, think about, ponder, give thought, right? Use your brains. I love that. Just another reference of, hey, God gave you a brain. He wants you to use it. Isn't that amazing? Everyone wants to tell you you're supposed to be brain dead. If you're a Christian, God doesn't, you know, your God doesn't want people who think, no, no, God gave us brains for a reason. He wants us to think, and he wants us to think very deeply and very critically, not as in being like, I'm critical of people, but like a critical thinking wants us to actually think things through completely. He wants us to be wise, to use the information properly, use wisdom. That's critical thinking. You need to be able to do that. He wants us to think Think about how do we stir up and bolster each other into love and good works? Think of that. It's a beautiful half of sentence. (laughs) Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How can we encourage you? How can we encourage one another to lift each other up, to go out and to do things, to not just, hey, I am Jesus, that's good enough, but like actually make an impact in the world, change people's lives. And sometimes it's big things. Maybe God's calling you to missions overseas. That's a pretty big thing. Maybe it's little things. Really? I mean, think about it. Maybe it's stopping when you're at the coffee shop and there's that lonely elderly person who's you'll see there all the time who nobody ever stops and talks to. Maybe God's been leaning that on that person on your heart. And telling you, hey, you need to stop and talk with that person. Just give them some time. Sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's small things. But let me tell you something. It's the small things that add up that make major impacts. We need to do the small things. The small things are where it truly matters. The small things are where it adds up and it truly matters. Do the small things and do them well. Honestly, I think the small things done well are more important than the big things. Don't get me wrong. The big things are important, but I think the small things done well 
consistently are more important than a swing and a miss on a big thing. These are actions. How to love, that's an action, it's a verb, and good works. Action. Reach into the community. Help people. Do this, do that. How do we do that? Consider how to help each other reach their fullest potential in doing what it is that God's calling them to do. 25. Not neglect. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. This part right here is, is that spot where most, you'll hear it a lot, you got to go to church. See, it's it's bad for you to miss. It's bad for you. Well, let me let me put it. Let me encourage you with this. It is bad for you to miss. Okay, we need people. We need that encouragement. Go to church. If you haven't been to a church in a while, go. I would highly encourage you. Find one. If you're not comfortable with a big church, go to a small church. There's even here in in the Boise area. There's a house church movement going on. You can literally find a spot that's in somebody's house. Go to church. Unless you're sick or you know of sick people at the church, I would encourage you, go in person. Zoom is a great tool. Watching stuff on live stream, on on YouTube, Facebook, stuff like this right here, it's helpful, but you don't get that, that actual interaction. There's something about being in person with somebody. The ability to have a physical connection and have that right there person to person is huge. Go. Go to church. It's absolutely a great thing. But my point here is that's not what they're that's not what the author here is talking about. Having people who were just not going to church. I don't think that's what's being said here. I don't believe that is the issue that is being addressed. That is not the issue that they're talking about. And I say that because before this and after this, the discussion is apostasy. We're we're discussing how to not fall away from the faith. Once you have Jesus, don't don't let Jesus go. Okay, somebody can't pull you away from Jesus. They can't remove you from Jesus and God's not going to just let you go. But can you yourself walk away? Can you choose, I don't want Jesus after all and walk away? Yeah, absolutely. I believe you can. I absolutely believe you can. And I think people do it all the time. That's called apostasy. And that's it's a dangerous thing. And this is an encouragement to not do that. We need to be lifted up by one another. We need to continue to lift up. You know, when my my daughter was having a hard time with life and things going on. How did we encourage her? Let's find a way for you to reach out into the community and do some do some good. Help people. If you're struggling with depression and you're going downhill that way, one of the best things you can do is help other people. Get around other people. Have that that emotion and that energy hit you, right? Their love can pour out onto you and you can start feeling better. And if you start helping people, there's something about that right? Something about that giving of yourself, helping others that just fills you up. So what is being said here? What is being said here? Not neglecting to meet together. This meet together, when when people say that means get to church. Well, the problem here is the church in Greek is the holy assembly. It's ekklesia. The Greek here is not ekklesia. It is not the holy assembly. This is not church time. It is a, a, a synonym. It is the assembly. 
It is a symbol. It is episynago. I I butchered that. I'm I don't speak Greek well. All right, I don't pronunciate it. I just don't. But anyway, it's here. It's on the screen. You can see it if you want. If you're if you're listening to the audio, you can find it on YouTube, or you can go to sipandstudy.org and find that directly there. Anyway, it, it does mean assembly. It is not the holy assembly. This is not a church setting. This is just getting together. Read this in context. 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Can that happen in a church setting? Absolutely. But when we come together to do worship and to read the scriptures and to study and learn and grow, there's only so much of stirring up good works and love in in each other in that. Okay, we have a, a few minutes before service if you show up early. A lot of people like to show up when the worship is is going, so they miss that interaction on purpose. A lot of people then leave directly after service because they also don't want that interaction. See, I did my good deed. I went to church. I learned. It's about filling me up. I went in there and I got filled up. I heard the sermon. I heard the worship. I did some singing. Even though I didn't like that song or that style of song, I did it. I filled me up. Everything's good. I go and do my thing. That's not what church is supposed to be. I, I would actually say that is closer to what's being warned against here than just going to church. You're not meeting with the people. You go and it's all about me. Me, 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 me. I went, I did this. I sat through the sermon and I left. Did you meet with anybody before or after? Oh, no, no, no. Those people are weird. They want to stop and talk. They want to shake hands. Some of them even (gasps) hug. It's weird. I don't do that. That is neglecting to meet together. Okay, that is the assembly. That is getting together with one another. Sometimes it could just be going and getting a cup of coffee with a group. Maybe it's a Bible study. You know, here we call them small groups or uh, house groups or there's any number, action groups, mission groups, all all sorts of different names that, that people have come up with. Basic small groups. Get together with a group of people. Learn to lift each other up. Have community with these people. That's what's being discussed here. The community with people. Having that relationship with people. Don't try to do this on your own. We were made relational. That is part of being made in the image of God. God is in Trinity form. He is a single God, one God with three parts, Father, Son, Spirit. We're also made body, mind, soul. And yet, we still need people. God is the creator of everything. And he loves to use his creation. He communes with his creation. Why would we think that we're not supposed to commune with other people? This is a warning to not go and try to do this on your own. It's like warning against missionary dating. It doesn't end well. You're usually the one that falls away. Don't do it on your own. Meet with fellow believers. Get together. Do Bible study, do coffee times, tea times, go and do bingo night or boggle or whatever. The, I, I don't even know what people do anymore with that stuff. I just don't. That's all changed. It's the 80s and 90s. Who knows now? Do those things. But if you're the type of person that you're thinking to yourself, I'm meeting this because I, I, I go to church. 
but you get there late and you leave early or you get there right as it starts and you leave right as it ends because you don't want to mingle with people, you are falling into this trap. Don't do this alone. Have community. Get together with people. This is not a direction of just going to straight up church. If you think being there for worship or maybe skipping worship because it's not your style, but getting there for the sermon is church and that's enough, it's not. I'm just going to flat tell you, it is not. That is not the point. The point is to be with the people. So not neglect to meet together, not to neglect to be part of the community, not neglect to be with other believers, as is the habit of some, and I would say a lot, but encouraging one another. Encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Encourage one another. How do we encourage one another if we're not in, in there with people? If we're in a spot where the sermon's going, we have to be quiet. We can't encourage one we Thumbs up? What, what are you doing? You can't encourage one another? Get together. So encourage one another. Gather together. Be together. Do things together. And encourage one another. Going through a hard time? Encourage them. Going through a good time? Encourage them. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who meep, weep. And celebrate with those who celebrate. Like, hey, we're having birthday today. Yay, we're celebrating. It's great. I love it. So do that. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What what day? And maybe you're like me and you look at this and, and you scratch your head and say, why is day capitalized? Is this D-Day? Because we're already past D-Day. That's June 6th, right? Day-Day. No. So why is day capitalized? Why is day capitalized? Well, if you're a history buff, you might realize that there was some actual Mesopotamian demigods and Mesopotamian evil deities that were known as day, as their contrast of day and night. And it was actually a, a demonic or it was a, an evil deity. Is that who, as, as, as the devil draws near? Is that what's been? No. Is not as much as I love to point out all of these these interesting notions of how we're, this is what interacts with the spiritual side. This is what it, th this day is capitalized as an emphasis. It is the day of the Lord, as the day of the Lord draws near. You might know this as the second coming, Judgment Day. The author reminds the readers that Jesus is coming back. That's the day. Jesus is coming back. Encourage one another and all the more as you see the day of Jesus's return coming and drawing near. You can't hardly go. Maybe you can. In the circles I run, I can't go more than probably two days without hearing someone say, did you see this happen? We're in the end times. And I like to whisper back. Did you see how Jesus ascended? We've been in the end times since then. Like, this is the end times, period. Since Jesus resurrected and then ascended into heaven, we have been there. When is he coming back? Not even the angels know. They don't know the day and the time. We don't know. But we recognize because we have, we have some signs and some in indications of things that happen. It is drawing closer and closer. And that is there as a reminder. It is not something for us to just sit and go, he's the common. 
What's on Netflix? That's not the point. The point is to encourage us, to remind us, and to give us a motivation to continue to move forward. And sometimes that moving forward is encouraging one another. Considering how to stir one another up to love and good works. Going out and doing good works. Right? That's the point. The point is, it is a reminder. Jesus is coming back. There's still something to watch and be be expecting and be waiting for and to have hope and, and hope for because we need that too. Jesus is coming back. And so keep it in mind. Jesus is coming back. There's still work to be done. Let's do it. Not saying don't take a vacation. Not saying don't take a break. Don't take a day off. Don't take a coffee break, whatever. But there's still work to be done. We can continue to do that. And that's the point is to continue to move on. Actually, you know what? No. I think we're going to call it. I was going to continue to go forward on this, but I'm not. We're already 45 minutes into this, give or take. I think we're going to stop here 19 to 25. We're going to go 26 and finish up chapter 10 next week. This is a lot. This is a lot. And I think it's something that we need to sit on. We need to to meditate on. We need to, to really chew and ponder and to go over. And then we'll go over the rest of it because as you're seeing, that's also a lot. There is a lot there inside of that. So let's save that for next week when we can give it the kind of time and attention that it truly deserves. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your son, Jesus, coming living that perfect life, being born of a virgin, living that perfect life, dying on the cross for us. On the third day, rising from the grave, ascending into heaven, waiting at your right hand for his glorious return. God, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for everyone that you put in my life. Thank you for the people that you put in the lives of those who are a part of this, listening to this, watching this. And I ask that you just continue to be with us and you bless us all and you help us be an encouragement to one another, be an encouragement to those around us, and that you encourage us to go and do the good works and to do the things that you're calling us to do and not just sit idly by and watch the world tick by, but to be a part of it and a part of it for good and for your glory. We ask this in in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Really appreciate you guys. Love you all. We will talk to you next time. Have a great one. God bless. Bye-bye.